You're listening to the world's only pro wrestling podcast, the VIP Lounge, bringing you the best in pro wrestling, new school guests, interviews, and opinions. Brought to you by ReeseRyanBrand.com. And here's your host, the VIP champion, the king of swag, Reese Ryan. What is going on, you guys? Thank you so much for tuning in to episode seven of the VIP Lounge podcast, part two. Uh, I've got Nathan Cruz for the second part of his awesome interview. Um, so as I say, guys, there was just too much to cut out, so we ended up doing it in two parts. Uh, so uh, in this part, we uh, go on to talk about his tenure with WWE. We talk about his kind of uh, opportunities there and how that went. Um, we also discuss a little bit more in depth about um, his advice with regards to um, – you know, get getting into training in the, in the wrestling business as well. So much more. There is so much amazing content in this episode. If you like it, as always, uh, hop on his social media. Uh, any likes, comments, follows, shares. It's really, really appreciated. So, as I say, I'm Reese Ryan. This is brought to you by ReeseRyanBrand.com. Here is part two of the Nathan Cruz episode of the VIP Lounge. Enjoy. And hello, Nathan. Yeah, so we're back from the break. Let's carry on where we uh where we left off, man. We uh we've chatted about it briefly throughout, uh, but I've been putting it off till now. Uh, let's talk about your kind of few runnings with WWE. So um, from what I what I researched, you had like a a, a little week long tour with them in 2014. Is that correct? Was that the start? Yeah, that's uh, no, that was the end, and that was after my. So I had my initial trial in the March, or it might be in April of 2014, and then in November, funnily enough, me and my fiance Gemma just we had a we booked like a, a party for our engagement, like an engagement party, and then I get an email from Robbie Brookside saying we need you for a week of WEX work, and guess what? One of the days they hit was our engagement party, so I was like, ah, sorry, Gem, but we need to cancel. And full credit to her because she was upset, but she understood and she let me go and do it. Um, and yeah, I worked a week where I was just an extra. I was just doing Rosebud stuff, which I'd done previously on SmackDown and Raw when I'd done my tryout in the match. And then um, we get to the SmackDown taping and we get told that, uh, you know, like we're going to, it's not going to be a proper tryout, but we want to get some of you in the ring beforehand and just see what you can do. And I had some stuff in mind. It was kind of like a second, an unofficial second tryout. I had some stuff in mind, and one of the guys didn't have a partner. And it was like, we, 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 you know, can you do two matches, Nathan? Like Regal asked me, can you do two? And I was like, yeah. I, you know, I had one that I'd planned with uh, Liam Thompson, and then uh, it was like, okay. I just jumped in the ring with this lad, and I said, let me be the bare face. I'll just lead it. Just listen to me. You know, we're fine. And obviously that went over very well with them because I was able to just take someone and call it out there and gone through a pretty decent match. And uh, two of the guys that was at ringside was the was the Usos. Um, and then I get taken to, I'm in catering, talking to, uh, I can't remember who I was talking to, I might have been talking to, whoever I was talking to in catering. But then Joe Hendry comes up to me, he's like, Nath, Brookside needs a word with you. And gives me like a thumbs up. Now my heart's like leaping out of my chest, I'm like, am I about to get signed? 
it wasn't. I, um, he takes me to the side and says, we need a dark match tonight. I want you and Jason as a tag team. You're going to be working the Usos. So I was like, sick. Um, and full credit to the Usos, because they'd seen my match earlier. It was like, we really like you. Like, we'll bump around for you. We'll do whatever you want. I was like, really? Like, that was awesome to me. But, um, you know, they have agents there who kind of tell you what you do. So that wasn't the case. I pretty much got about 10% input in that match. One of the most nerve-wracking experiences of my life, like I was stood up in Gorilla, Stephanie McMahon sat there, Triple H is sat there, and then, you know, when the trailer runs for the WrestleMania advert, you're going to go out into the Liverpool Echo Arena in front of 11,500 people and wrestle for the WWE. Pretty, you know, and then at that point, I'd been where, what was this, so 2014, so uh, eight years I've been working at this point, like, to get to this this stage and so I was so nervous but then we get into the ring and we just had to stand there and wait while the wrestle the 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 advert played for the WrestleMania Blu-ray and that get that was the best thing because I was able to look around, soak it all in and then I got into my own head of being like, why are you nervous? Like this is gonna this is a really short match where you've got, you know, next to nothing to really do here to remember and you've worked so hard to get here. You deserve it. You should have been here a long time ago. And you're here right now, make the most of it. And that's exactly what I did. And, you know, all the nerves went. And knowing that I was working with, with them two, you know, was very complimentary of what I'd done earlier that day. That helped. John Cohn was uh, one of the heads of talent at the time. He was a referee. And he, you know, he, he said to me, like, I really want to see you again. They had me do some promos backstage. I did one that was rehearsed. And then another one where Regal just said, you're a villain. You're on with Dean Ambrose tonight. You've got one minute go. And I finished the promo with a t- like with a go home line, literally as he did the four, four, three, two, one to end it. And he was like, "Okay, yeah." They was impressed, and everything was looking very promising. I was supposed to go back in April 2015, but then last minute WWE didn't want to have a look at anybody who was under six foot tall. And um, yeah, I'm shoot five five eleven, and my boots I tip past it, but yeah, they go by what your your true height is. So they didn't want to have a look at anyone, but they was like, you know, Brookside was great with me. He was like, you know, this isn't the end. Like, just keep doing what you're doing. Like, you're on our books. You're on our radar. Something will come up. And that, uh, late in 2016, did my first tour of the United States. Um, Re- Regal knew I was coming, and they had an NXT tape, and he said, come to Full Sail. It'd be just good to see you. Okay, cool. Dan, as mentioned, one of my best friends, he was there doing an angle that night for Revival DIY. He... Um, he went and I had a word with Matt Bloom and just said, look, the enhancement talent that you've got working with Elias tonight lives in Florida. We've used him before. We can use him again. Nith leaves in a week. I'd love for you to give him this opportunity. And Matt Bloom said to him, if he fucks up, it's on you. And full credit to Dan. He said, oh, that's fine. I'm willing to put a gamble on. You know. So he tells me that I've got this match. I'm like, okay, get ready. Elias, super cool. Like he wanted to, he was... I couldn't be just so so professional, so easy to work with, and uh, came back and got some really good feedback from it. There was there was only one constructive criticism that I got was as I got him up for the show stolen, I smacked into the hard cam, and they said we would have rather you'd been really selling the neck that he'd been working on. So I did sell it before I got him up, but then I smacked into hard cam. The reason I smacked into hard cam was for every single person that ever told me in my life you will not make it as a professional wrestler. You will not make it to the WWE. There I am, 26 years old, could be in a full-time professional wrestler my entire adult life, and here I am in a WWE ring 
big F you. And this is now filmed. It's going on the network and it's going to be remembered. You know, any, at any point I can pull that match up, no matter how short it is or whatever my role was. You know, going back to the thing of the professional, that was my job that night was to make Elias look good. I'm going to make him look good. To this day as well, I'll, I'll just want to put this in. Anytime I see Elias, he still thanks me for that match. And that's that's a testament to him as a as a humble dude. Like he's been pushed to the moon by WWE as one of their top stars at the moment, and he's still the most humble guy every time I see him. And he's always gracious and always says like, you know, at that point he's they didn't know what they was necessarily going to do with Elias, and he said that kind of tipped the scales in the favour for him in going forward. And he's always super complimentary to me with that. So then a month after that, I'm laying in bed. Yeah, open up my phone as I do in the morning as most people do got an email from William Regal just saying uh, what's your telephone number I need to call you I'm like <gasps> James like what's up and I'm like shut up shut up, shut up. <laughs> so I send him my number within five minutes he calls me and I go and he says okay an opportunity has come up it's the yeah, and then he was telling me about the inaugural NXT UK championship tournament I was like well yeah absolutely you know, they want to be as part of the original lineup. This sounds amazing. Off we go. Um, James Drake had had the same call. We saw each other later that week at a show, and we, we just gave each other this nod. And we got there, and, and I, I think he was the first to say it. He went, you've had the email as well, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> we was both real excited about it. Go to London, do what they call a car wash, which is they do promos, they do interviews with you. You sit down with the commentary team, they take notes, and, um, and you do a medical. No, I'd done a medical, obviously, the month prior for NXT UK. Blood pressure had come in at 136. So my doctor, the doctor advised me, a little elevated, but, you know, it's nothing to be too concerned about. Just maybe keep an eye on it. All right, yeah, cool. Do my medical in London. Guy, doctor reaches in and goes, okay, you're reading high? You're reading 160? I was like, whoa. We can't pass anything like they can't pass anything past 140. I'm like, well, what's this coming from? Now, genuinely, like, legitimate concern because my dad had a stroke in 2010, high blood pressure. His dad had a had a stroke that I, you know unfortunately killed him before I was born. Um, so I know this is hereditary in my family, and um, I'm okay. So this is concerning. I don't want to be having this medical issue at 26 for one thing, let alone at this point, you know. Everything I'd worked for for 10 years was in my hand. Like this contract the WWE had sent me, I have countersigned. I've had entrance music sent to me. Like, here I am, I've got it. I just need them to sign it and they can't sign off on it. And the next day we had the press conference and they, you know, they told us, me and Haskins, because he was there that day as well, he had a medical issue that they couldn't clear him for. And uh, they told us both, look, unfortunately, we're going to have to take you out of the tournament because of this. Um, I was obviously devastated but you know I, Robbie Brookside was amazing like I was stood on the balcony watching everybody have this amazing moment that I should have been a part of and he just put his hand on my shoulder and said don't worry lad we're going to get this sorted and um, so I go to my doctor the following day literally I get back to Hull the next day and I've I've already booked him with my doctors to go get this looked at and they just said you're reading 134 you're fine like he was probably just nervous and I'm like uh, so I report this back to WWE. They said, "Well, you know, our doctor's senior at 160." So we, I, I was. It was a huge back and forth for a long time. I had to pay for my own specialist um, to who he basically he dealt with people who tried to get into the RAF who sometimes have an anxiety issue that makes them feel medical. He gave me this medication, which by the time I got to Blackpool, 
where I was invited to come along as an extra, um, I did pass my medical like there because of this issue. Like, they'd give me a full ECG. They could see that my heart rate was fine. My pulse was fine. Like he's, they said, he's, he's healthy. He's probably just a little nervous, that's all, and it's just spiking because of anxiety. So they cleared me, but they had to take my retainer contract away from me at that point and just give me a one-off payment to just be in Blackpool. It was devastating. It was there. And then after that, like, WE just went cold on me for some reason. Like, I don't know what the reason was. Um, like, maybe I had this blip on my, my thing now that, you know, at one point he filled a medical for us. I have no idea what it was. Um, I can only speculate about other things, but it was things started to water down. I felt in progress again, complete speculation, but I was originally supposed to be going to Florida with progress that year. And now all of a sudden I'm not, um, which hurt because, you know, revival debuted on raw that weekend. And I cried watching that. I would have cried even more if I'd been there to see that happen because like I've, I've told a story in this about him and, you know, what, what an amazing human being Dan is. Um, and he's, you know, why is the reason why he's my best friend and I love him to pieces to be there for him then would have been incredible. So that hurt. And uh, yeah, and that was it. Like in regards to my WWE experience, everything's just gone cold since. Um, I've had one conversation outside of that with Regal um, that was about something kind of unrelated, to be honest. But yeah, it hasn't, there's been no interest. There's, you know, I've been told there's no opportunity for me there for whatever reason. So it is what it is. But I mean, I I was there the following year in 2017 because I was wrestling in America again, being brought over by um, uh, WWN. And uh, we were in like FIP style battle, kind of shine. So they'd, they'd brought me in. Um, and again, that same weekend in Orlando at Full Sail, there was an NXT event. So Regal asked me to come come by and see how things were. I had a bad run-in with one of the producers there. I'm not going to mention that person's name because I think it's unprofessional, but suffice to say that person you are was because I dealt with them in the past, but, you know, like they didn't didn't remember me. And so I went to introduce myself to them and they made like a big scene of this and really spoke to me like shit, to be honest. And uh, at that point, obviously, I had a lot of stuff going on in my head anyways. It was really starting to beat down on me and... Um, I, to the point I was contemplating actually quitting and then that happened and I just all came down on me at a bad time like I went and had to hide away in the toilet because I broke down crying that entire day was a bit of a head like it got in my head anyways because like me and Dan went there together now obviously I, I our friendship started when he came over to Star Wrestling in 2012 and then in 2013 in particular we was working together very closely like most of my singles matches that summer was against him. So um, I knew at that time that he was pretty much going to be signed later that year in his, his next tryout. I was starting to get interest from them. So we'd fantasised about, like, we might be in the PC together. You know, if we get into Florida together, we might even room together. I was staying with him at that, at that time that I went to America. So, like, we both have to get dressed up to go to full sale, getting our suits and that. And then uh, we drive there together. So already we're getting prepared for something that in my head years ago would have been a different situation. Do you get what I mean? Like the circumstances are very different to what we wanted. I get there, first person I saw was Nixon Newell, and she was like, Nick, good to see you again. And they're finally signing you. 
have they dealt with that medical thing? No, unfortunately not. I see Johnny Gargano and Champa, who, who both had worked with uh, Champa at Progress, Gargano through uh, title, and they're like, awesome to see you, man. Are you, did they sign in yet? No. Adam Cole, same situation. Alistair Black, same situation. All these people are, you know, and I, I appreciate the sentiment. God, do I appreciate the sentiment because, again, getting the respect of my peers is what I work for, but knowing that that wasn't there and I'm getting asked that was like that reminder and it was just bad for me. So yeah, I ended up breaking down. I was just in tears in a, in a cubicle and I just wanted, I text Dan and I just said, are you ready to leave? I don't want to be here. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I'm in the lobby now. So we met up in the lobby and he could tell there was something up. Like I managed to clean myself up, but he could just tell. And probably the worst thing your friend could say to you is, you all right? Because then you tried to sell me fan and you just start crying again. And like he was there for me and like, but it was one of the best things that could have happened to me because I came back from it. First person I spoke to about it was Rampage. I called him up and wanted his advice because he's like, you know, I tend to him for advice on everything, whether it be wrestling or just life. And he, you know, really spoke some sense into me and uh, and I just sat there and I reassessed everything and I thought, why do I want to go to WWE? Why do I want to work there? Because where the moment in my life that I decided I wanted to be a WWE superstar was watching WrestleMania 17 when I was 10 years old. Watch Undertaker, Triple H, saw Undertaker staring out at Astrodome just after that match finished and that was it. My mind was made up. That is not the same product anymore. It's not the same company as what it once was. You know, it's it's a very watered down, overproduced version of what it once was, in my opinion. And I know that, you know, the, this person spoke to me like shit, has spoke to Dan like shit in the past, spoke to Rampage like shit in the past. Do I want to go into work every day and feel like that when this is supposed to be my love, my passion, my dream job? No, I don't. And in, a, in retrospect, it was the best thing for me because all those 10 years of my career, I'd been tunnel vision, WWE, 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 WWE. I'd never sat back and just enjoyed the fact that Nathan, you were a full-time professional wrestler. And now I was able to do that. Like I, I took a step back and the bad thing was I didn't have a goal. That was kind of something that I was like, I'm not really aiming towards anything. I'm just happy to be doing this. Um, WOS came about. That was awesome. Like that was really good for me to like, okay, so this is a reason for me to get, you know, like maintain my, my physique. All these things that was just trying to make me motivate to progress the character further or whatever. Like that was that was something for me to sink my teeth into. Lucas Steele coming to the NGW Academy was something else that I'm like, this guy's got he's gonna make money in pro wrestling. Like he's based on his look, but then his hard work, his work ethics there. His attitude's amazing. Like, I want to help him. And that was a big thing for me. That was a big part of me getting over that and that spell of depression was helping him and his journey. Because, you know, whether I know he's going to go on to do great things and whatever small role I've played in that, I want to, you know, help him as best I can. So I had these things, you know, and then, and then working with Adam Max at WOS, someone else who I just see every bit of potential in and I love his work ethic. I think he's got the strongest work ethic in the in the country of anyone I've met. Like he just he just works himself to the bone to be the best that he can be. I love Adam, I really do. And you know, again, seeing someone like Kip, who when I first saw him, I saw Kip Sabian, this is I saw him in Norwich and he asked me, what can I do? Because I want to turn this my full time job. And uh, this is no disrespect to the Knight family whatsoever because I love those, you know, I respect the hell out of those guys. Um, but I just said, you're in a very difficult place geographically. 
for other promoters to get hold of you, it might be worth your while to move in with your girlfriend at the time or lived in Leeds. Because I said, then you're nearby. I can definitely put a word with in, in NGW for you. Because I, I knew his talent. That kid was phenomenal. All these things gave me something to keep me motivated and keep me interested and keep me around. And then um, and then since then, AEW's come around. And, you know, and you look at ROH and the great things that they're doing and, and Impact's getting better. You've mentioned NWA. And my eyes have just been open to all this opportunity that's still out there. You know, it is, it is difficult to say when you've been around for 14 years and, you know, you see people like, you know, and again, I've got great affection for him. He's one of my good friends, Amir Jordan, but he hasn't been, he's only been around half the time as me. Yet he's there with a secure job. Do you know what I mean? Like at times that can be a bit difficult, but that doesn't mean, I'm not discrediting his talent by that, by that statement either. Like he fully deserves it. He worked hard for it, but he does, there's only so long that you can sit back and see all these people who you've, you're close friends with. And you see them going to bigger and better things, and then you're still back here, and it does sometimes wear on your mind. But you know, I see this op- this opportunity out there still. It's not the end of the road for me yet, um, and uh, you know, I'm I'm as motivated as I ever ever have been in that regard. Now I, I'm happy that I turned that corner. This isn't me saying that I just ignore the WWE either. Like if they approach, that's bad business. If they approach me with an opportunity, 100%, I'd hear them out and listen to what their offer is because it's business, right? Like, I need to provide a living. I have aspirations of things that I want to achieve in my life. And, you know, I think money's evil, but it's a necessary evil, unfortunately. And whatever's the most that's going to come in that's going to allow me a very comfortable life, then I'm going to have to take that opportunity. Of course, I'd listen to it. But, um... Right now, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just optimistic. I'm very, I think we're in a very interesting time period in pro wrestling. I think I, I see a second boom, like another boom coming. Like you look at WWE historically, and I always say WWE because they are, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. They're the pinpoint of when something has happened in wrestling. Like you look back in the eighties, like they, WWF was at its best then because he had all these territories underneath him fighting, and then he wins that war. And things go stale in the early to mid nineties. Then WCW happens, and then okay, WF needs to step up. They win that war, and then it's just got complacent again. And you know, I'm not the only person within the industry will tell you this, but they have become complacent. It's overproduced, bad TV show. I want to see them become better again. I don't like saying that because I've been a fan all my life. I don't like. I want to see WWE become awesome again because everybody benefits from it i want to see AEW do really well and you know rise as a as a long-term competition i want it to be around forever ROH still biting at the heels of WWE. like they, they did the garden the garden's been wf's venue for the longest time ROH did it that's amazing that to me that's incredible such a huge milestone i'm so you know for that comp- i'm so happy for that company to see them do that there's so much there's so much going on within the industry. And I mean, and that's just me looking at the United States. That's before you get to Japan and look at the business that all Japan and New Japan are doing. There's so much opportunity out there that, yeah, you know, my eyes was opened up to that. The WWE is not the be all end all. And if there's something that I could advise to any young wrestler, that's it. You know, I don't think that it's, it's just WWE because there's so much out there. There's so much out there. I think there are so many, uh, 
so many talents now that are thinking exactly like how you are, where it's like, you know, like you say, it's not the be all and end all, because I think it was Nick Aldis who said, um, I was listening to um, Stevie Knight's podcast that he was on, and he was saying how for so long he thought exactly the same as you, and he'd, he'd have like the kind of uh, generic tights, generic boots, because he wanted to look like a uh, um, blue chip prospect for them and like it affected his his work and now that he doesn't he's not aiming for that he's just aiming to to do his own brand then it's it's brought up his overall product because like and I I really resonate with that and you know thank you for sharing that story as well because I I totally agree as well because I don't I don't want to be I want to be a professional wrestler but I want to do it on my own terms I want to have my brand that I make I can control like and I think there are a lot of guys that that want that as well. Yeah, and, and at the minute that's what WE is looking for. Like they there was a time that what Nick had said they was looking for you know trunks boots physique. Like I, I was also trying to follow that model around that same time period because I knew that's what they were going for. That was who they were signing. And mm-hmm. then the the whole thing happened with the network. And what they're looking now is for people who've got a buzz on the independent scene, they've got a brand that's already established that when they come to WWE, they're going to bring viewership to the WWE network. That's what they're now looking for. So, yeah, I think that is the best mentality to have now because you, that's what, if, if your aspiration is WWE, that is what they're going to look for. And that's what most of these promotions are now looking for, AEW and, you know, they're, they're, they're just, they're starting up, they're in the first year. Right, well, just starting the second year, sorry, but they're just they're looking for people that's gonna bring in more audience. You know, like you saw this past week, that is where they're now called the Revolt. That's where they are now, and that's gonna put eyes on them. The storyline that they're starting with Jericho and Tyson, that's gonna put eyes on them, especially because Tyson's just got back in great shape, and they, you know, they're talking about him having another fight. They're gonna be looking at what he's doing outside of that. You know, what's going on with him just in in the media and generally very smart move on their their behalf. It's going to bring in an audience and that's what you've got to that is what it is just concentrate on you man like concentrate on and and for god's sake just take those times to just step back and enjoy what you're doing like really just look back and go okay this is cool and like and like ignore the negative comments you know everyone's gonna have an opinion and it seems that those who lack skill always have one that's louder than those with actual talent so listen to the right people and it, and what and the advice that's been given to you, take it on board, and then just sit back and just appreciate it because it's a privilege to do what we do and do a, a you know a high high level and to be as well regarded by certain people. Like I pinch myself sometimes when certain people pass a comment to me, and I'm like, this person saying this about me, yeah, that's all I need that day. Sometimes is just hearing like spud good friend well, last time I was in the United States we was out at this cool sports bar all of us there was a big group of us and he just looked at me and said you know it's going to happen for you one day and I, I welled up I just said shut up <laughs> I was I was going to start you know breaking down and he was like hey, you look like you don't believe me and I was like oh well you know one or two things happen he was like no just trust me and just knowing that somebody as talented as him who you know sees that in me and as to be fair to, to him as well has always seen that in me um it means a lot to me that those type of things. I carry that, you know, championships are props, but I mean, there are awards within certain companies, don't get me wrong, but like the true championships to me are always, you know, who respects your work, 
who wants to get in there and work with you and why do they want to work with you? Um, I go back, I go right back to like 2011-12, all-star wrestling. I remember a car journey and uh, just trying to keep everyone awake. Somebody asked the question, who's your favourite person to work on the team at the minute? And like 50% of the car answered me. And I took that as the biggest like pat on the back that I could hope for. Like at that time, like I was like, well, this is... Yeah, and then there was a, a variety of talent in that car that said that, you know, like Tony Spitfire was a very much British Holds wrestler, and then um, El Ligero, you know, and, that, and like that, that that meant so much to me. And like, it's those type of things that I'll remember more than, you know, Championship Reigns, NGWO Progress, any of those, or BWR. Like, it, it's those moments that'll live with me for the rest of my life that really mean something to me. That's what everybody should aspire for, and and you know, it's it's a real testament to you as a, as a performer that because your peers really know what they're they're talking about, and like, it's it's funny because that's something that you know, I'm not at the point where I, I want to be, but that is something that I I would I can imagine the day when somebody says that to me, I'd I'd feel so complimented because like when I wrestle someone, I try and um. Well, first of all, like you say, I try and make them look good, but then I also try and make it an easy night for them. So I, you know how some people want to do these these um, moves that are like ridiculous, like bumps and like spin round, all this crazy. Yeah, okay. Stuff. Literally, my jam is like I do like a net breaker where they basically I I land on my my ass and they kind of just just take it and then you know can fall to their back if they want to, but. It, same with like I do the future shock DDT and again that's just landing on your knees and hands. There's no like big bumps or anything because I want to look after people and know that they're safe. And uh, and looking at the kind of things that you do as well, you don't do any crazy bumps or anything, but everything that you do means something. And those moves um, you've obviously thought out very well because they all serve the story. So that's something that I really respect. Oh, thank you for saying that. Like I say, it's those it's those type of things that matter the most. I mean, like I've had. I mean, I, Rampage, I've, I've mentioned earlier, I consider him as one of the best in the world, and he's been my idol for as long as I've, you know, for 10 years. I think I first watched him wrestle. In fact, I wrestled him in 2009. That was my first All-Star match, that, that one I mentioned earlier. And I just remember thinking, this guy's phenomenal. Like, he's the best guy I've been in the ring with by leagues. And that's no offence to anybody else because he's so, so good. And I just remember thinking, that's where I want to be. I want to be as good as him. And any time I watched him, I was always like, I want to be as good as Rampage. I want to. He's the measuring stick to me. And um, and I've had people come, you know, put us in the same category. As I say, that they look. You know, I remember, I remember Kip saying it to me at one time. Amir saying it to me. Dave Graves saying it to me. Like, you know, we consider you two the the the, the best two. And I, I don't put myself in the same category as Rampage. It's just um, that's just what they've said to me. But at the time, like, I mean, that's that's why I've aspired to be. And then other people are giving me that feedback. That means the world to me because he, like I say, if I can be in the same category as a Rampage Brown, I'm good. Like that's 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 my championship. <laughs> the uh, just before we end as well, Nathan. This has been so awesome just uh, chatting to you. We've we've got through. Uh, this is probably going to be a two-parter because there's nothing that yeah, I want to yeah. cut out. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, the I've got some quick prior questions that I want to kind of throw at you. Uh, I just want to know your thoughts on them. They're, they're specifically related to wrestling, but um, yeah, just like first thing that comes to your mind when you think of an answer for these questions. All right, so the first one is what makes a good heel? 
Um, somebody who who's, wants to be a heel. They don't want to get over in that regard. You know what I mean? You don't want to be the one that everyone's buzzing about. My One of my best compliments in my career was um, a fan from Progress had done like a tweet just saying, you know, Progress has got some good heels and I listed them. At the time, there was like Marty and a few others. The only one that wants me makes me want to physically get out of my seat and assault them is Nathan Cruz. Probably one of the best compliments I've had in my career because that means I've done my job. Like I've got under your skin enough to do that. And I can do that with and they said like he does that without even verbalising. Just a, a walk he has, the look and all because I know that I've put attention to detail to that as well. Like I've thought about how am I gonna walk, how is my face gonna be and all these little things like how can I get under these people's skin the most I can and to me that's what makes a good deal. Like you want to be hated because they'll remember that they'll want to, you know, they'll remember you getting your ass handed to you because they want to see it. Right. And if you build that right and you give them that payoff at the right time, they're going to remember it. You're going to do a great job of it. And that's, uh, that's always, to me, that's, that's the mark of a good heel. You know, you worry about your baby face, you not necessarily, and you, that you want to make your baby face look good and you want the audience to absolutely hate you. And then flipping it to the other side, what makes a good face? Uh, a great baby fit to me one word comes to mind would be fire fire like to, my favourite baby face of all time is Sting I think Sting is a remarkable baby face because everything he did in the ring was so organic particularly the blonde top Sting like I look back at those early 90s matches of his and I'm just I just soak up so much knowledge into the way he sells, the way he moves, the way his fire is when he's, you know, he rives up and stuff. Steamboat would be up there. Just having that. I was about to say Steamboat. Yeah, just having that thing that you just, it's, it's, almost, it's hard to teach. You, you, you have to know what you're looking for. It's a connection with the audience where it's like, they're one of us. And like, don't be afraid to show that you you're angry. I hate this mindset that some people have of like, oh, Babyface has to be sympathetic and has to be the underdog. No, they don't. Like, Stone Cold Steve Austin is one of the most over guys in pro wrestling history, and he just beat the hell out of people, flipped the bed. You know, like, that. people get annoyed. If you slapped Father Christmas in the face, he's going to get pissed off. So don't think that you have to hide that. Show that. Do you know what I mean? Like, really show that to your audience and because they're getting angry. So then the only way that they can really vent that is by having the connection through the baby face. So show them that in the ring, do you know what I mean? Take that moment when you're selling to just like turn to an audience member and just give them that look of like, oh, this, this prick's really winding me up now. Do you know what I mean? And they're like, yeah, because he's winding me up. Go on, kick his, knock his teeth down his throat. That's, you know, that, that's try and get that connection. Find, you know, work to your audience, I guess, but it's, it's what I'm getting at, but. Yeah, I think I've answered that. <laughs> oh, brilliant, brilliant. Uh, what is the key to a successful character or like gimmick? Um, belief. If you if you don't believe in it, don't ever expect anybody else to believe in it. Like I remember watching an interview with Stone Cold Steve Austin once, and he said everything he does from the moment he walks for the curtain to the moment he walks back is 110% real. And I first watched that when I was you know just a fan. I'd not started training. I was like, well, see, I never like this is Austin just go out and potato everybody. But then when I like got into the job and I really started understanding this process and stuff like that, and like I said, Ligero touched me and it took me into this ring, really fine tuned my understanding of psychology and things. Like that was when I was like, oh no, okay, now I get what he meant. 
like if, if if he isn't believing in what he's doing in there, you can forget about anybody out there believing it. And everything, you know, the nature of our job is to entertain people by suspension of disbelief. And if you're not going to believe in what you're doing, then nobody else is. So, you know, you you need to find an attachment to that character, whether it be something that you're driving from yourself or something that's really inspired you, like that you want to do this. Yeah, unless you're an award-winning actor, like you need to really find something to believe in in that character to make it work. Is an ego good for wrestling? Mm, yes, I know. Um, you know, I've I've heard Jericho say before that one of the hidden secrets in this job is that to be a success, you need to be kind of a dick, and to an extent, I believe that to be true. But then I also think it it de- it depends on how that's perceived to, to certain people you know you look at someone like like Mark Calloway who everyone will just credit as one of the most humble guys ever but if you get on his wrong side do you know what I mean like that's when he will let that ego show and because he's got every right to do you know what I mean if you and don't be cocky if you can't back it up if you if you if you I can I've seen this with some people that I think they, they get ahead of themselves and they speak to certain people a certain way and I'm just like look like mate, like this isn't how you should be approaching this situation at that point like it, it can be a good thing it can be a bad thing um you know but most of all just like don't be a dick man like be respectful at the end of the day we we all fell in love with this and at some point you were we were all the outcasts at school who liked wrestling and remember that like that's one thing i always try to go back to is that yeah i, I love this job and i have a great respect for it but uh, at some point at school, like everybody in this room was mocked for for, for enjoying wrestling. So just just remember that we are kind of still on that same boat. Do you know what I mean? And don't get me wrong, people are just a dick, and you don't have to give them your time of day. But it is something that I always try to. I think an ego can can protect you, but it can be very detrimental. It's a fine line to walk. What is your favorite thing about being a full time professional wrestler? Just that, that I'm a full-time professional. Like it's my dream job. Do you know what I mean? I can't think. That's that is the answer. It was is within the question. It's always what I wanted to do. I never wanted to do anything else. Still don't want to do anything else. Like I can't think of anything else that I'd want to do with my life other than be a professional wrestler. Um. So to to have that sometimes like I I take that with a great deal of pride. That sometimes that's what identifies me. He's the wrestler. Now, down our street, some of our neighbours will know that's Nathan the wrestler and I love that that I want that to be my identity I've always wanted it to be my identity that's just that's it like that that does just answer the question itself like the best thing about being a pro wrestler is being a pro wrestler now obviously you like you just said you you love it but the thing is with with absolutely everything there's always something that's your least favorite thing about it have you got something that you particularly don't like about being a full-time professional wrestler social media can't stand the thing. <laughs> I think Twitter is the most toxic thing that's ever been created. And like I said earlier, everybody has an opinion and they try and pass off as fact. And I think the, and bigger fools, the people who listen to them, you know, like I, I can't stand it. Just the other day, like obviously the tragedy that happened with um, Hannah, the, the young Japanese girl who took her own life. And that same day, Adam mentioned this on his podcast, that same day, somebody was watching AEW and you know made a negative comment about Kip Sabian and, and Jimmy Havoc. The spineless git didn't even tag them in the in the tweet either, which I thought was funny. But I just thought like 
on the same day you're watching a pay-per-view that's reminding everyone to you know be mindful of what they're saying on social media about people you're still casting this negative comment and for what what does it gain you you know what i mean like some, some people are just so obsessed with that quest of getting a like by saying something controversial or edgy when you know if that's if that's all you've got to hang on for your success is oh i got 300 likes by putting a famous person down but who's actually done something with their life by the way and i haven't if that's all you've got to hang your hat on then i pity you i really do because you're the bottom of the totem pole of society the moment my career is done with entertainment twitter will be gone like i will have no use for it it is a marketing tool i use it to market my youtube channel to, to market my wrestling career, whether it be merchandise or way I'm going to be appearing. Very rarely will I say something in regards to my opinion on something, but if I do, guarantee that it's, it's coming from a place I felt it needed to be put out there. For example, like one of my friends within wrestling almost took his life the other day, and it, a lot of it was brought up. Like some of these same people was attacking him when we could all see that we, he was having an issue there. And yet, the moment that that news came to surface, they decide to start tweeting out, be kind. You've been part of the problem, you hypocrite. And I, I just, I hate, I just, yeah, just think about what you put in. If you've got an, 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 an it's, it's fine, you can dislike something. But unless you've got an education on this matter, like unless you've actually been in the ring for a start, yeah, I don't think you've got the credentials to be saying anything, like at all. You really don't. You can just say okay i don't like that don't cast your opinion on it like i just mentioned it like there'd be some films that i might eh, that gets raved about online it's not my cup of tea like 1917 for example i didn't really think much of that film it did really well in the box office i'm not going to go out and criticize the director or the cast what do i know about putting a film together just take your head out your ass <laughs> basically it's really funny last week when i was speaking to matt uh um it, we had the exact same conversation because obviously just as we were recording that that's when all of that stuff online was in full swing and i remember saying about how this this hound dog mentality and like i you know i've never been a, a negative person anyway i think that's why i'm you know i'm doing okay for myself because I'm, I'm just naturally rooted in, in optimism and like I just I've never been one for like um, kind of comparing myself to other people or like looking at other people's situation because like, you know, I'm too focused on what I'm doing. I remember being at school and people used to try and bully me for wrestling, but it would you know, it would just it would be like water off a duck's back because I'd literally just be like, yeah, well, I'm doing something that I enjoy. Screw you, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, yeah, it's just such a it, it's not just wrestling, though. It's like the entire culture at the minute. Everyone's oh, yeah. just everything everyone's just and, and like it seems that people are so obsessed with trying to become instagram famous uh, and youtubers and and stuff like that and just instead of you know like an instagram famous i just think ridiculous like instead if that's you for look anyone's allowed to have a goal and a dream don't get me wrong if that's what you want to do but i mean just don't put all your eggs in one basket in that for god's sakes because you know literally billions of people across the world are trying to do the same thing you do and it's and, and, and the, the environment that it breeds, I just don't think is healthy for, for individuals. If you have, and, and to wrestling fans who are listening to this, and you just mentioned that Matt mentioned the same thing. We've both spoke about two wrestlers, one who did tragically take a life, one who nearly did. I've mentioned, Adam also mentioned this. This is the people within the industry telling you this right now. 
that you need to be more mindful about what you're saying online. So take it on board because it's it's reaching a you know a dangerous boiling point, in my opinion. That I am. Um, I think if if things continue the way they're doing, people continue to take their own lives. Twitter is gonna have to be really you know looking at themselves about what they're gonna do to to control this. And in the end, it could even close the platform down. To me, I don't understand like why you'd even have it unless you're you know like a, a personality who's got something to promote you know like unless you are just interested in you know what your favorite celebrities are up to but if you're going out your way to then attack them do you know what i mean like i've seen i saw something on the day that the rock um said goodbye to his dad some of the comments that the people had the audacity to put on that on that subject who and do you know what i mean like you are the scum of the earth you really are like that's an awful thing for anyone to go through but for you to pass a negative comment on a day like that what what on earth is wrong with you nothing's off limits as well like you know because like you say about with him losing his dad but also i see so many things uh because obviously you know like i've i've got a a boyfriend like um i'm I'm out and proud and stuff but like when i go online (laughs) i feel like I, I, it almost sends me into tears if I, if I, I don't even, I, I, I just stopped looking at comments because like the amount of awful, awful, awful hate like online, it, it really makes me sad. Like I'm kind of tearing up now, <laughs> but like it really, really, really just makes me fear. Which, which is mental in this day and age. Like I just think, how can anyone still be that close-minded when there's obvious progression there for a reason? Do you know what I mean? And like it did. I just uh, uh, yeah, don't. I've always approached things with a very open mind, with, with, in regards to you know anything in regard to that. And don't get me wrong, like I always assess things, take everything with a pinch of salt, and assess things for you know where my belief may be. But to just mock someone for like like you just mentioned there, the sexual orientation, grow up, get a life like this, because that is absolutely ridiculous. Like people like that are not, they're not. I don't want to say it, but just, you know, you, you shouldn't, they just need to get a better education on things. Yeah, that's you what know, it is. They really it's need like... to, to really think about what what mindset that they're in and why are they behaving like this? You know, a lot of these people do need to seek help. They need to seek psychiatric help because why? what gives you, what motivates you to go and attack other people? Blowing out your someone else's candle is never going to make your own, yours shine brighter. Do you know what I mean? It's just you're just going to bury yourself and, and just look like an idiot. And uh, yeah, people just need to get better education on stuff like that. So yeah, going back to the, the original <laughs> question, social media and Twitter, the worst thing about pro wrestling. That's an amazing, amazing quote that you just said. Blowing out someone else's candle won't make yours burn brighter. That's awesome. I like that a lot. Um, bringing it back to wrestling, though, on a more positive note, um, I felt like maybe, you know, maybe he was a bit hard on us. But, um, and, th- and then for years, I had this resentment. And then maybe about, what was it, maybe like a month ago, I, I called him out of the blue and I just said thank you. Because like you, like you say, I thought about it, right? And I was like, if, if he didn't have that school in that small town that I was raised in, I would not be doing anything that I'm doing now, as much as what I'm doing now is just little, but anything that I go on to do is is owed to him. And, and it was such a nice feeling. Um, and I think, you know, with me being so young, maybe I just have, didn't see that before, but I'm very happy that I've adopted that mindset. And it's nice to hear 
that someone of the caliber of you has the same mindset you know obviously you're on the right track you know i mean yeah just i I think it's an important lesson for anybody in life no matter what walk of life you come from when you're going into is that you shouldn't forget where you you come from like i I read a lot of books about like success and you know and things like that and people's approach to like things as like the law of attraction and one of the things that sometimes i see in there that i disagree with is you know cut the ties from people who don't think like you like you know my parents didn't have aspirations to make a load of money and go to the united states and canada and things like that all these things that i've wanted to do with my life and they you know my mum's just very happy to just pay the bills and get on with life like that's 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 what she's comfortable with i'm not gonna then say right well that's it, Mom. I can't speak to you about my career. I can't speak to you about my aspirations. In fact, it's probably all the best if we cut you out of my life. Of my friends who may, you know, like you said, you interviewed Matty. Matty's got a normal job. Matty's very happy with just wrestling on the weekends and stuff like that. I'm going to just cut him out of my life just because he has a different approach. I hate that. Like, I'll always, everybody comes, you, you, you pass the same people on your way down as you do on the way up. And just remember that, like, there's a lot of people that you need to be grateful for. And I've probably met, missed people off here that I'm going to kick myself for later. Um, Frankie Sloan would be the first person that comes to mind. The amount of times he was he was the sole driver at All-Star Wrestling at one point. He was the only guy driving what we called the Beast, which was this eight-seater that we all travelled in. And he was, he was refereeing the shows, give us feedback. I never saw him have a bad day. He was always in great, great spirits. He, when we was all down, he'd pick our spirits up. And I can't, I just, I can't even get my head around that to this day. How he managed that, like that, I, I owe him a great deal of gratitude for for what he did for me back then, for you know getting me to work and you know giving me the feedback that he did when he didn't have to, and you know just keeping us happy on the road because after you know sometimes like I mentioned, I'm six weeks I was wrestling usually ten matches a week. Sometimes at some point where you get a bit sick of the people you're around he gets you know you get a bit frustrated and he was always one of the first people to just make us all smile and cheer and i just yeah i think it goes a long way to always remember the people that helps you out because you know they a lot of them didn't have to do what they had to do i it sickens me when i see people go on to bigger and better things who then can't be bothered to maybe reply to a text like you're probably on your phone right now you've seen the notification and what you're just going to forget about that like that i just that doesn't sit well with me. That can go a long way from me stay, you know, like considering you a friend to now you're just an acquaintance that came along my way in this job. But yeah, if you were just, you know, you haven't got the time to get back to us for whatever reason and all the help that we might have given you at one point, or, you know, you remember it. And the, the final question, Nathan, it actually ties us on really well to uh, something that you, you looking to promote. Um, so, it's into the toy room. So the question is, what's your dream toy to, to collect? And obviously, uh, perhaps it's a good time to use this time to promote your YouTube channel. Yeah, so um, I'm a big toy collector. Uh, I've been for a number of years now, and I have a YouTube channel called Inside the Toy Room. It's basically keeping me occupied in lockdown. I'm getting to do with one of my best friends, uh, Andy Dye. He's over in this Pooch Media. He's a phenomenal editor. Um, and... Uh, yeah, we just decided to work on this project together. We filmed a bunch of episodes just before lockdown. And um, of like covering my toy collection and other toys that I'd like to get. The ultimate toy. Um, God, there's a, there's a long list for me to 
to go through in my mind right now. I'd I'd probably say at the minute, at least anyways in, in my in my head at the minute, is um there's a statue of Godzilla and they're called the X Plus. They're so expensive. They're like four hundred pounds, but it's like it's uh the burning Godzilla from the original 1995 Godzilla vs. Destroyer film. So detailed, it's massive as well. It just looks awesome, like it just has a presence. If you had to set that up in your toy room, it's like two and a half feet tall, so already it's going to draw people's attention to it, but the fact that it just looks so cool as well. But, I mean, if we're talking like long-term, I guess it's like a big, big toy would be if I could ever have the money to make my own water park in my back garden. Like, I've drawn it up. Like, I, in lockdown, I've, I've drawn up schematics and artwork for my you know the dream house that i would love to one day own um and part of it's that or a replica 1997 batman batmobile from the batman and robin film i would love that i guess that would also be classed as a dream toy but like something that's like you can search for and find on the internet i'd have to go with the x plus burning godzilla Man, the the Batman and Robin film was such a big part of my childhood. I used to have it on VHS, and uh, and I just watched it at my my grandma's. And like literally now watching it, it's obviously it's so bad, but like you just love it because like it's just like a kid's idea of what Batman is. It's like playing with toys, but in a yeah, film. exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a big toy commercial, which meant it was a really good starting point for my toy collection, which is <laughs> that was one of the first things that I started to like actively collect a like mint in box was the figure line from that from 1997 love that film that batmobile is beautiful as well it's the best batmobile so everyone that's listening you can check out nathan cruz's youtube channel it's into the toy room uh go and go and uh check that out and just before we end as well nathan i just wanted to give a shout out to spencer it's his 16th birthday uh, said to uh said to give him a happy birthday on on the vip lounge so happy birthday spencer yeah, happy birthday, Spencer. Uh, so that's everything. I hope you've enjoyed your time on the VIP lounge, Nathan. It's been awesome having you. Is there anything that you'd like to say to uh, the fans who are watching this, who, you know, watch you on the shows religiously, but, um, you know, now obviously it's in lockdown. Is there anything that you'd like to say to those guys? Yeah, just, I mean, a big thank you for your support over the years. Like, it, it goes a long way. Anyone who's ever bought a T-shirt, a picture of mine or anything like that to support me. I've even had some fans, like, buy me stuff from my Amazon wish list for the toy room and stuff or, or send me money during lockdown as well just to help me out because they're not being earning. Just for no reason, like, just open up my pay- PayPal and there was this money from somebody. I was like, well, you don't have to do that. That was really cool. Thank you. And you know, as a fan of mine in America. Yeah, there's so many, like, I just want to say a big thank you for that, for your support. Like, it, was, it, it goes a long way. Like, it really does. Like, the positive comments, you know, on, on days where you you might get in your own head because of a negative comment or something like that, or you get getting frustrated about where you might be and you see a positive comment like that or you see somebody just... There's some some there's a there's a fan of mine called Charlotte who lives in the Midlands. Her two favorite wrestlers are me and Shawn Michaels. What the hell is that? Do you know what I mean? Shawn Michaels, a, a legitimate Hall of Famer, and would make most people's top five. And uh, you know, two favorite wrestlers are me and Shawn. That's awesome. Like just, I hear stuff like that, and it just blows my mind. And 
I can't thank people enough for that. And for anyone who keeps lobbying, like, I often like get tweets like, well, we're going to see Nathan Cruz in AEW or in NWA or in ROH. All these places I sometimes get tagged in and stuff like that. Like, I appreciate that sentiment. I really do. That's hard. But you know, whenever that opportunity, if it ever presented itself, like, it comes around, you know what I mean? But if, if the one thing I hope, I've, I've told the WE story enough times now that I'm going to get stopped, get not going to get tagged anymore in, when are we going to see Nathan Cruz in WWE and NXT UK? Because, yeah, like, I just I sometimes get that tweet and go, well, it's too long to type out on Twitter. I've only got 140 characters. Which <laughs> I've told that story. Find a podcast. And this is the most recent one I can direct them to, at least. Yeah. yeah I, 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 you know, thank you for that. I appreciate that sentiment that you come, you know, you consider me in, in that level. And, you know, if you, whoever knows whatever the future may bring at some point, I'd love to see that happen. Obviously, I wouldn't want to ride off into the sunset until I've done, you know, at least until I, I had a big contract actually come my way that I was able to fulfill and, you know, be ruled out because of. Uh, anxiety <laughs> what's your main advice to new guys starting out that want to do what you've done so what would you kind of say maybe even to yourself 10 years ago um i mean i wouldn't be able to say it back there'd be other stuff that i would say to myself from years ago but the mentality that i had back then and the mentality that i'd have to anybody who's coming into this is commit to it. don't ever don't expect results unless you're gonna 100 percent commit to this you need to to dive into the like I put myself into a situation purposely at that age where I didn't have a girlfriend, I didn't have other things in my life because I didn't want a distraction. Like I had, it was college, but as I mentioned, like college was still very much part of right. This is me working towards being a successful professional wrestler. You have to commit everything, every aspect of your life, and you have to make sacrifices. I missed my twenty first birthday. I've missed my mum's birthday. I've missed my fiance's birthday. I've, I, I mentioned about my dad had a stroke in 2010. I wrestled two days after that, and I was away for a week. That Christmas, I've wrestled. I've travelled back Christmas Eve, been at home for Christmas Day, then packed my bag and jumped jump right back on the road Boxing Day. I love Christmas. Anyone who follows me on social media sees how much I like. We decorate our house at Christmas. Knows how much I love Christmas. I had to do that because of where I wanted to be. You have to fully commit everything, whether it be your time in the gym, your diet, your life. It's a lifestyle. It is a lifestyle. It's an adaptation. You have to adapt everything. You have to prepare yourself for the fact that if you want true success in this, which is mainly found in the United States or in Japan, and if you're from the UK or other parts of Europe or maybe parts of um, Africa or wherever, that you are going to have to say goodbye to your friends and family in the life that you've started there and you have to prepare for that. Like, I made that mind, that decision up in my mind when I was 10, 10 years old. So that was when these things came along in my life, when I was, like we mentioned earlier, my, my grandma's funeral and, and I wrestled that same night, those things would come along and it was, I'd prepared myself for this in my head already mentally. And that I've committed you know, every aspect of my life. If I'm not, I'm not in the, there was a time when I was, like you can say, I was at college and we ended our first year in 2018, 17 going on to 18. I wasn't wrestling then as much as I would have liked to. I was getting like one job every weekend, maybe. I might get like five bookings a month top. But I wanted to replicate the closest thing to a summer season as I could. So to me, it was right, I'm going to be, I'm going to travel to as many shows as I can just to help out. 
and listen to people. I'm going to, I, I mean, I, I wake up, go for my job, come back, have my breakfast, bike to the gym, work out, come walk back, making sure I'm having my six meals a day, making sure I'm getting my workouts in and I just watch wrestling. That was all I watched. I didn't watch anything else. Like, and I wasn't, you know, whether I was watching it as a fan or whether I was watching, it could have sometimes just been that I was watching a documentary to find that motivation again. Maybe I was having a day where I was a bit down. All right, I'll stick the Chris Jericho documentary on. I'll stick the Ric Flair collection on. Something like that that motivate me, remind me. That's where you want to be. That's what you want to do. Then, you know, you don't want to have any excuse. The worst thing that you can do is to look back at some point in your life and go, what if? You know, if you, that's the worst thing. If you know that you committed, like, for example, my WE situation, which I explained, that's not, I couldn't, I was out of my control. Everything that was in my control was getting there, and I got there. I got to that opportunity. What happened after that was out of my hands. It's a shame what happened, but that's what it is. That is, I, I don't have any what-ifs about that. Do you know what I mean? The only what-if I have is, what if I didn't have high blood pressure? Do you know what I mean? But I didn't. I had that going on like it's it, it, you have to do a full commitment to this like and again I go back to me being a trainer I see that in people I see the people that the best students that I have are the people who end up coming to me at training or text me at 11 o'clock at night saying I've just seen this match do you think it'll help me or oh, I enjoyed this match have you ever seen it you should maybe check it out if you haven't I know then, okay, that's somebody who's going to go on because they're not stopped. Training is like for the NGW Academy, it's three hours of a week. If a week, you know, it's 24 hours in a day. That's it. Everything else is what you commit outside of this. And, you, you know, I never, and to this day, I never stop thinking about wrestling. There's a reason why I'm, I sometimes lay there at night and I'm coming up with, you know, I can't get to sleep because I'm coming up with storylines. I'm coming up with match ideas. I'm coming up with promos in my head. And it, my brain just doesn't switch off because I, I love what I do. And this particular at the moment, I miss what I do. So I've got all this creativity that I'm trying to push in other directions at the minute just to, because I'm, frustrated you know what i mean but like it's uh it's a full life commitment if you want to make this a true you know you said like to get where i am at least to the point of being a full-time professional wrestler everyone who i know is full-time has made a full commitment of this like there's no excuses of why i didn't work out this day there's no excuse of why i didn't watch wrestling this day you know i'm like just get it done like there was a time like i mentioned earlier i was working a day job as well there was no excuse. Like I'd still watch wrestling. I'd still go. To, I'd wake up. I had to wake up early to go to the gym. But I'm getting up earlier. I'm going to the gym. I'm, you know, I'm still on a certain diet. I'm still eating at these hours, even if it meant I might get fired because I'm hiding in the toilet to quickly shove down tuna and rice down my throat. Do you know what I mean? Like that was what I had to do at that point to get to where I wanted to be. Um, and to this day, I'm still not where I want to be. So there's still commitments that I'll make, do you know what I mean? Decisions that I'll make in the day that, um, you know, like even, do, for example, doing this podcast right now, like I could have, when you approached me about it, I could have said, nah, sorry, man, I'd rather, you know, go out and just go on a bike ride. Or I could have, you know, I could have easily been this off and decided to do something else. But I know that this helps you. I know that this helps me. I know that this gives something to somebody else to listen to this then I'm going to commit to it because it's part of my career. It's part of my duty as a professional wrestler. Um, like it's a full life style commitment. Gone on a big tangent there, but I love what I do. 
<laughs> no, that's awesome. Uh, you, you started mentioning there about, you know, trainees, and you, you've also mentioned, obviously, your protege, Lucas Steele, and uh, on the record as well, I think he is phenomenal. I, I The thing is, it's really funny, right, because uh, when um, I've only maybe, maybe met him twice, but, like, I really struggled speaking to him because I was quite in, in awe. Like, literally, I was kind of like... It, it was like it was a bounce between a slight crush uh, and maybe like maybe just a, a huge respect thing for what he's doing so quickly. So I kind of was just like hi, and then like went away. But um, but like yeah, he he's doing incredible things, and I I, I wish all the best for him with what he, he's doing. Uh, and like he also in some ways sickens me. Like I'll teach him something on a Wednesday, and by the following Wednesday, he's not only like somehow perfected that but he's even coming up with new ideas that i may not have even thought of do you know what i mean like uh-huh. he's that he's that skilled at this job he, he he's again he's just fully committed to it he loves it he's got a great look as you've mentioned like he's he's handsome he's he's in great shape he looks the part he's he's every he's got every tool to make this a success and uh you know i'm excited to see where his career is going to end up in the next like i mean he's only what, what so it was 2018 he came back to the school so he's two years in and he's already debuted in all japan pro wrestling it's crazy and he uh, like uh, that leads me to the next question with maybe maybe excluding lucas because we've already talked about him who do you think are like kind of the next big things on the indie scene who, who comes to mind in the in the uk dave graves Dave Graves has got every tool. Uh, again, he's just, and it comes down to the main thing: his work ethic. His work ethic second to none. He commits every aspect of his life to this. He looks great. Looks the part. He got injured um, in 2017, I believe it was, real bad knee injury, and it, he could have approached that in a very defeatist attitude, but he didn't, and he came back so in great shape, better than he's ever has, has been. He, you know, he, he's. He trains as often as he can with as many different people as he can, soaks up knowledge like a sponge. He just wants to be the best that he can be. Um, and because he's got that mentality, he's going to be a success. Like, I have no doubt about it. He's got a th- definitely a few things that he still needs to learn and a few things that he knows that are his weaknesses that he needs to target. But I know Dave, and I know that he'll target them and he'll attack them. Someone else that gets me excited through the training school I've seen is a guy called Jack Bandicoot. Um, it's I think he's so unique. Like he's, I can't compare his wrestling style to anybody else. And it's, you know, as a trainer, I've literally seen hundreds of people get in the ring and wrestle. And I, I can't liken it to anybody. Like he, and he grabs my attention in everything he does. I find him so entertaining. But he, what's lacking with him, and I've told him this, is his application at times like I don't think he fully I mean he's got a day job and but I just don't think he fully applies himself to this as much as he could and this isn't me having a go at him like anything if I if it comes across as me having a go at him it comes from a very good place it's because I care about him and I think he's got all the potential in the world to make so much money from this he's marketable he's unique he's he's class like he's got a great look as well he's like yeah, yeah, like he was shot. born with abs <laughs> yeah, yeah, for a short for a short guy, he's got a great physique on him. Um, but he, he knows he's a short guy and he uses that in ways that in in, in the ringers to make come up with offense that I just think where has he even thought of this? He's so innovative, he's so creative, he's got a hell of a future ahead of him if he applies himself to if he if you know if you could put the, the mindset of the Dave Graves or Lucas Steele in a in a Jack Bandicoot, I you know what the world's his oyster. 
And finally, I have a few online questions as well. So these are guys, uh, you know, fans who have uh, messaged in that want to ask you. The first one was um, they're talking about your entrance armor. They said, who made your attire? Okay. Um, so I was working at a Comic-Con in 2018, shortly after we'd done WOS. And there was a guy who came up and he had this amazing cosplay from Thor Ragnarok of one of the guards there. And I was like, that's awesome. And I already had in my mind what I wanted my next entrance gear to look like. So I just asked him, I was like, I've got this in mind. Would you be able to give it a go if I paid you? And he was like, oh, I've never done anybody else's. It's just something me and my son do. It's fun together. And like, so he was like, yeah, I'll give it a go. His Instagram page is have a go cosplay because that's his whole mentality. I'm just having a go cosplay. And he made me my shield and sourced out my cape. And yeah, I, he, and he only charged me for materials, God bless him, because it was the first time he'd done any any work for somebody else other than himself and his son. Um, and he, yeah, I thought he did a fantastic job of it. The only downside to it, and I am actually uh, going to be speaking to him about getting another one. The only downside about it is that it doesn't travel in my suitcase. Like, it has to sit on top. So when I work abroad in the United States, I can't take that. I have to rely on an old entrance jacket. So when I'm thinking of this new one that I want in when we get out of lockdown, like I'm going to be able to have it to be able to fold it up and put it in my suitcase so I can take it, um, you know, across like to the United States to some of those bookings that I'm, uh, you know, looking to, to capitalise on. Uh, another one was um, how important would you say having a unique gimmick is? Oh, so, yeah, it's so important. You know, it's um, unless you are an absolutely incredibly gifted professional wrestler, you know, like you are, you show like Zack Sabre Jr. For example, somebody who can, the wrestling is what speaks for themselves, but then it's sports entertainment and that's what's on the can. Do you know what I mean? If, if people just wanted to watch good wrestling, wrestling, like they can watch, I mean, I hate calling it amateur wrestling, but Olympic style Greco Roman wrestling, they can watch that. Um, having a, an, an a marketable gimmick we both mentioned earlier steamboat and and sting as like two of the top baby faces to me what separates them and why i think sting is the is the overall better of the two is his marketability in this in, in this industry that matters it goes a long way he's a very marketable character and it's the reason he's been so marketed for over 30 years is because he's got a look that promoters can go i can sell that i can put it on a poster i can put it on a t-shirt I can make a figure I can make a mask he's got so many avenues it goes a long way in this and especially if you know you're wanting to get out at this at the other end at a decent you know on your own terms at a decent age like i'd my own whole goal i guess my idea of success is to be able to retire in my mid to late 40s you know pretty unscathed and to do that i need to make a decent sum of money in this you know I've, now that window's getting narrower now but again it, that comes from okay what, what makes me marketable we mentioned earlier about nwa that i said that i don't feel i'll get an opportunity there because me and nick are very much alike in that regard and that marketability so there's something that you know, if I had something maybe a bit more unique, say like a Cara Noir, someone like that, that, you know, there's no one on compare. There's no one they could compare to, to what they're doing. What I just said about Jack Bandicoot, for example, very, I see it as a very important thing to success. You need, we need this, this person for this role because that's the, they're the only person that can offer that. Who, another one was, uh, and I don't know if um, this reads right, but they said, 
Who was nicest to you starting out and who really helped you? And then they also tagged on. Was there anyone who wasn't nice? That's what they put. I'll deal with the negative one first. Um, the people who weren't good to me. Um, there was a, a guy from uh, Wales called Iron Mike Roberts. And he, uh, he used to take liberties with me and my um in the in the ring and stuff and just outside of it just be a bit of a obnoxious prick made out he'd been around for 22 years and stuff like that but which may have been the case but he's probably been wrestling once or twice a month in those time for that time period you find that stuff out later do you know what i mean um it, it was it was just it, like he'd bully us with with just like chopping us unnecessarily hard and stuff like that i mean other times i'd worked with him he was great like i remember having trust in him at one point because he was light as a feather with me and he was really cool with me but then there was another time that he was there was other times when he just he'd be around certain people and he i guess he wanted to make them like they'd get in a little, little bully club or something I hated it i just thought it was stupid and it was pointless and yeah that always stuck out to me as i just thought well i'll remember that like even back then i was thinking i'll remember that and then i guess this is the day that i can throw him under the bus Fuck do you it. think it was like an indis- insecurity thing was he worried about the new guys coming through i don't think so because i was such a skinny dude and he was a big big guy and i, I always remember looking at him even though i had that resentment because of how he treated us in certain situations i always felt that like he was um he had a great look in, in regard like I always wanted to if I was ever to promote I always remember thinking that like I'd still consider him for a job because he looks the part he was decent enough in the ring for what he did I felt like he just he you know just kind of been I guess burnt a few bridges because of that attitude no doubt but he, he, I, I always wanted to put him in sticks as a tag team like they're just yeah it's a shame like it really was because like I said I got along with Mike on certain days but then there's other other situations where he'd be around maybe the wrong people and I just he'd just be the worst person for us to deal with and uh yeah I'm not, I can only make, think that maybe you come down to an insecurity not because of a spot getting challenged but just more so for the fact that he hasn't been as successful as he may have liked to have been um positive though the people who helped me Ligero like would be the first person he helped me at a time when nobody really had the right to help me brad flash um like he was the first person to give me an opportunity outside of pwa to get work and it was there that ligero saw me so um i mean i owe him for that like i still work for brad to this day again for that same reason because i just i can take i can look back at my journey and look at the people that helped me at a certain point you know me and brad have fallen out in the past but like i always look back and think it's still if it hadn't happened if he had not taken that chance on me, I wouldn't have had that opportunity with Ligero, which would meant I wouldn't have got to All-Star where Rampage would have taken me on and, you know, so on. And then, um, you know, Rampage would be the other one would be top of that list. He didn't have to help me. There was no, like, I want, like, I was in the car from Yorkshire with Colossus, Ligero and him himself, but I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't driving the car or anything like that. He had no reason at all to help me when he did and he, he took me under his wing and he taught me so much and, and I know when I mentioned earlier there was a time where I was a very difficult person to be around um, I know that upset Rampage because he'd seen something in me and he knew that I was burning bridges and he kind of you know, I, I, I disappointed him and god that hurt me to know that I disappointed him um, and like not the kind of guy you want to disappoint Rampage Brown 
Yeah. <laughs> I see. I see I, 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 he's going to kill me for this, but I just... I, I know he could handle himself in a fight. I, like, I know that, and I know he can be intimidating, but I just... I always have that effect. I guess it's like a big brother, little brother thing, where to me, I just see this affectionate side to him that I've got to know, and because he helped me so much and still helps me. The fact that that that's the thing is that he saw that happening and he was disappointed in me, and we've had our rows and our disagreements, but he's still come back to help me. You know, even when he's even said, "I'm done with you," you know, you've annoyed me to the point that I just I, I'm done with you, Nurse. And then a month later, he's like, "Yeah." And then he'll pull me aside and give me some advice. And I'm like, you know, I just know that it's still there. And we've been through, you know, similar stories. And uh, together with, uh, we've kind of, uh, someone you talk on top of the list who should be signed to every major company and should be on top dollar. To me, that the, the NXT UK title isn't on him is a, is a crime. Because if anyone's to represent the United Kingdom as a champion, it's Rampage. And I'll go on credit to say that I'll put him against anybody. He should be IWGP everywhere champion. He's phenomenal. He's, he's so, so good. He's the most, like, worldwide, the most underrated wrestler, in my opinion, because he's he should be in anybody's top five of current talent. But, yeah, he's, for some reason, just falls under the radar. And I don't, I don't get it because you speak to any wrestler. I remember when they was promoting his wrestling school, and you had some of the testimonials that you read there from Walter, Dash, Spud, Nick, all these talent that Will Osprey, all these guys that would, you know will instantly say, "Yep, he's the best in the country." Ask nine times out, nine wrestlers out of ten in the backstage will they consider the best wrestler in the United Kingdom, Rampage? So, like for him, you know, have that level of respect and admiration from his peers to take me under his wing when he didn't have to. I just I can't thank him enough. I'll always love him. Like there's, you know, all the rows we could have, there would never nothing he could ever do that wouldn't make me love him. Like I I genuinely love him. I do I do just about anything for Rampage. I'd take a bullet for him. Like I owe so much to to him. The performer that I've been able to become is, you know, in large part because of the help and advice that he gave me for no no reason at all. He didn't have to do that. That's uh, that's really nice to hear. I think um, it's 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 really awesome. Um, you know, you are obviously very thankful for everything. Like, and and I think a lot of people can forget where they've come from, and uh, and it must feel nice for you as well to to be able to reflect on that. Um, but no, thank thank you very much, Nathan, uh, for joining us today, and I'll see you down the road. Hopefully so, man. Yeah. Thank you so much to Nathan Cruz for coming on the show. Um, probably one of the best guests that we have to date. Hell, I say that every single episode. It just keeps getting better. Um, but yeah, that would. Uh, I really hope you guys enjoyed the first ever two-parter of the VIP Lounge podcast. That's not saying that every week will be a two-parter. I just felt like there was too much uh, really good quality content from my chat with Nathan um, for me to try and cut it out, really. So I just wanted to make sure that everything could come to you guys, whether you're fans, training pro wrestlers, or, you know, anywhere in between. Um, I just want to bring a quality show to you guys, and I hope that I've done that this week. Once again, any kind of support will be greatly appreciated. Likes, shares, comments, anything like that. If you can check out ReeseRyanBrand.com, I've got my merchandise on there. Check it out. Hell, if you can buy something, that'll really help me out. But hell, you know, uh, I, I, 
If not, I just hope you enjoy it. Um, check out Ecosia, guys. It's the online search engine that uh, helps save the planet. Watch you search. Thank you very much to them for keeping this show on the air. And that is everything. So, yeah, uh, thank you so much. The VIP Lounge Episode 6 Part 2. And we'll see you next week for none other than Dean Olmark. That's right. I've got British wrestling legend Dean Olmark on the show. So I'm really excited to have a chat with him. In the meantime, I'll be seeing you guys down the road. Peace. <laughs>